Zone World. This is a special reverse episode. My guest, Justin Barnes, actually said he would prefer to interview me. And two notes on this. First, he said he didn't want to do a normal Heights Zone World kind of interview where there's questions about the subject's whole life. He wanted to all be about music. The second note is that he is sometimes referring to this history of height timeline that I have on my website. So if you hear him reading from something, it's from that. The artwork, as always, is by Mike Riley. Check him out at MikeRileyComics.com. The first part of this interview was recorded at the lineup room. Check them out at lineuproom.com. And once again, we're being hosted by Splice Today at splicetoday.com. Let's, Let's check, check out, out part, part one. one. But to start, I started in a group called Wounds with Mickey Free Shields, Jones, Chris Freeland. As a very young kid, started a Compton and licensed to ill, had inspired me to rap, but. Blowout Comb, Return of the Boom Bap, and Enter the 36 Chambers. What about, like, those three albums is important to you? And then if they do kind of play into your consciousness when you're recording your own music, how do they do that? I actually personally have one that's a KRS-One production, which is more close to my heart, personally. Okay. But it was just me. Okay. Um, well, then talk about just you. So this KRS-One. Well, there's, um, you know, Boogie Down Productions, which is where he came from. They, they put out an album called Live Hardcore Worldwide, the first live album in the history of rap. I was listening to Return of the Boom Bap, and it was like a woman at work was like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 Boogie Down Productions, this, that. And, and like, I realized there was so much other stuff that he had done. And the album name just sounds so cool. I remember that day I went to, <laughs> went to the store. And I was like, hmm. And I got that, and, like, it's, it's kind of like an instruction manual for, like, rocking a, a hip-hop show. Just everything from, like, his breath control to, like, crowd work to just, like, just even just like delivering all these different verses with so much like passion and, and just the way the sets arranged and everything that was like so influential, okay. you know, because to you personally, yeah, okay, because you know, unlike rock shows that I might be being taken to by Chris and and other older people, like I was not going to any rap shows sure. when I was a kid and like. I didn't have any sense of like what would make what would make a rap show good or bad besides the crowd liking it okay. and, and us being excited or something. Cool. And that and that was like the blueprint for like like that really made me want to tour and you know okay. want to be like oh I don't see it and it's not around me every day but but as a live art form it's it can be anything you know okay. And the well, I'd say again, not the album itself to me, but the whole the whole early woo. Okay, was like, like I was actually I wrote a little thing about it the other day. And uh, did I tell you I did this woo tribute show? Oh, I only heard about it on like a on an Instagram post of like that Easy posted or something mm. like that. Yeah, but I was Capadonna. Oh, but, really? Um, yeah. That's going to be my next question. Like, <laughs> fuck yes, okay. But um, it just, you know, I wrote this little thing in preparation for the show, just saying how, like, hearing them for the first time, it was a lock-in at the YMCA. I, and, I read that. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you repeat it for, sure, for, for sure. our purposes? 
it was like some older kids had like the two turntables set up and were just playing Protect Your Neck again and again and like just remembering it sounding like so like awesome and kind of like eclipsed everything else that they tried to play so they just kept playing that again and again and I was I like remember coming with the CD of Paul's Boutique and they're like sure sure and they put that on for a minute and then like go back to Protect Your Neck and then like it just sounded so like avant-garde mm-hmm. and and I think it's one of the only things even even above the other influences we mentioned where it just kept growing and growing and expanding and it wasn't like oh that was the thing I liked last cool. year or something yeah. you know and is there if it's it, you define early woo? Does that so that includes like the solo that like initial yeah, group of solo albums? Exactly. Do you have a favorite of that initial group? Yeah, I think Supreme Clientele might be. That, uh, sometimes I say that's my favorite rap album of all time. For the listener right now, I just want to let everyone know that Height is answered incorrectly. It's actually Liquid Swords. Nah, I can't say. But it. just for those listening at home, he's been deducted five points. Can't see it. <laughs> Could you put yourself in the context of, and maybe the, maybe the context is I was not part of, but right. could you put yourself in the context of what was like Baltimore? It's hard to say. What was Baltimore? What was Baltimore hip hop? What was happening in 1999 in Baltimore hip hop? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Like the thing that was always known to almost everyone was Lab Tech One. Okay. He was the dude that he's just so in- incredibly accomplished. Like despite being still very obscure, like Okay. Like has like if you said I have like 6 hours of music out or something, he has like 40 or something since since like 93, you know. So that was the main thing that I was like tuned into if at all. Like like and and there's another group that I liked called Defined Print from DC. And but like I really didn't we weren't in any context really. If cool. anything, we were sort of like the sideshow to like other like indie rock stuff that was going on. Would you have wanted to have been included in that world? Yeah. Was that even what you were going for? Ooh, yeah. I okay. mean part of what happened was I realized how our aesthetic was like not exactly welcome and just our whole way of doing business and like playing shows. We had sort of like borrowed it from indie rock bands cool, and learned right. and, and like, like I remember that group defined print. Like I remember calling them and being like, Hey, we're going to play DC. And we wanted to know if like you guys wanted to jump on the show as well. And like, I kind of felt like an alien or something. They were just like, what? <laughs> like, and they're just kind of like, that's not how it works. And I was like, oh. And so, yeah, I felt like we kind of had no context. Okay. You know? At what point did you feel like, this is what I got to do? Like, this is, I, this is me doing, being on stage or driving to this show or whatever. Like, this is, I, I can't do anything else. There was actually a really in my head, a very dramatic day when that happened, which was in high school, in 12th grade, we had this, like, philosophy class. And one of the classes one day was, like, you have to, like, get up and tell everyone what you want to do with the rest of your life. <laughs> Just, like, so intense, I thought. Yeah. And, like, it was really weird to see, like, like the stoner cat get up and be, like, Archery, or like, <laughs> like like whatever people were into, yeah. and like realizing like oh I have, I have no idea what any of these kids wanted to do until now you mm-hmm. know, and, and like I remember that was the first time I publicly publicly had to proclaim that I want to do this music thing to like a group that would maybe judge you for it you yeah. know, and like. Was Wounds in effect at this point? Yes. Okay. And and Jones and Mickey were also in the class. Okay. And w- first thing I noticed is both of them were a little like, 
<laughs> like as I like broke it down, like a little like embarrassed, you know. And and second thing, this other girl ended up basically like crying, like because uh, she was just like, you can't just be like a rapper, like blah blah. Like I think she had been coming to terms with like maybe scaling down some of her plans. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like to hear this dude just be like, yeah, I'm just gonna like. Take over the rap game, <laughs> like just seemed like the the height of absurdity, I guess. Uh-huh. So, and and, and it, it seems like kind of like a trivial thing, I guess. But from that, th- that was like the day that it was like that was like I have to do this, and everyone might not be with me as I had always fantasized <laughs> uh, up to that point. So wounds. It stops happening. First Height album, Height. Uh, I feel, with my limited knowledge, that there is this like Capadonna vibe to the to the flow of that first album. Oh yeah. Is that okay? Is that a question? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, how did you come to your flow at that age? And it just it it does sound a lot like Capadonna. How does that is that on was that on accident? Was that on purpose? Was it cool that 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 worked out? And then one more question, just to tie that all thing in, in the rap world, when you have like you know Raekwon and Ghostface like talking about like all these shark biters and stuff like that, yeah, are they talking about what you were doing, or are they? Is yes. it more specific? Oh, okay. So you, <laughs> so you were featured. You're featured on Only Built for Cuban Links. Yes. <laughs> There's like many wounds releases that. I've been like, you know, maybe we should re-release that, like cassettes and mm-hmm. things like that. And then as I went back and listened to them, it's like, no, the world should never hear this. <laughs> and like, oh, I have to keep this a secret forever. And and it was just like straight up ripping off woo. And and it, if, if I may say so, it's like, has a bit of that vibe of like, I don't want to say like, blackface or something but it it's it's it has a little bit of like cultural appropriation yeah yeah just like we are trying to sound exactly like something that is completely foreign to us sure that you don't have any ownership over yeah but we you know we like the music and and that went on for a while and it just i i feel like we all naturally grew out of that it seems like that, like, your live shows were maybe not, like, incredibly honed at this point. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what was a typical set from, like, from what were tracks that were, like, important for a live set at that time? I would say if there was one, it would be the 1988. That, that was, like, the one track that... I sort of felt like I got my feeling across with it, but outside of that, it was just like a giant mess, to be honest. <laughs> well, define, can, I know that that's like, it's like a weird thing to ask, but like, can you, how, what does a giant mess look like? What does that mean? I think I, I, on the album, I had created like a certain feeling. There's, there was a feeling I had created and it was kind of unique. And then, Live, it just didn't come across. Okay. Like, it was just, like, too many... It was just, like, too many words and too much, like, incredibly loud, like, projected vocals that... You you know what I mean? Yeah. And I I just really... I didn't know anything about performing. Okay. Like, it was just so wild to be like, I learned this on my first (laughs) national tour. But, But, like, I just didn't know how to... I didn't know anything about like the dynamics of like okay this is how you pull the crowd in and this is you, you know I just okay would just get up there and and rap you know okay uh, this is also maybe too obscure but uh, do you remember your set for your actual first show? Yeah. What was it? Um, the the dog and pony black dice the rapture yep. Avi Tear show. Yep. Which is um, fucking insane. The set was an absolute disaster. <laughs> And I'll tell you why. Um, 
I had read somewhere that you should have lemon juice to like, um, like clear up oh, your okay. throat or whatever. And I had no fucking okay. idea. And I just like copped like a bottle of lemon juice. Okay. And like, like not like in to mix in with water, just like, oh, I'll just have this right here. And like, I rocked, I wanted to rock a short set. I, I wanted to rock like four songs or something. Mm-hmm. And I did a few, and it went okay. Started to feel a little bit like maybe I should reach for the lemon juice, and just like, like guzzled this like lemon juice, like, and and I had no fucking idea what it would do. It was like I felt like my eyes were like popping out of my skull. Uh, I felt like every every like pore <laughs> was like sweating. And I c- could not get, I was just like, <laughs> like, oh like God. It, it was crazy. And the thing was like, I think it was like, you know, being in like a hip, like Brooklyn mm-hmm. zone at that time. I think no one like noticed that I wasn't doing the right thing. Like, I think like everyone was like, yeah, well, if he's here, he must be like somebody. So like. <laughs> I think people are just like, that's his thing. He drinks the lemon juice and like kind of like screams. And like, so that, that was my first show. And and it was like really, really embarrassing, but also quickly it was like, Oh, no one, no one okay. thinks that that was it wasn't bad news. Right. Yeah. Um, but okay. Uh, so in, in talking about that, you, you, uh, uh, I rapped in a way that was worlds more literal and linear than my older rhymes in very plain language. Um, what about, like, what were you trying to accomplish by, by doing it that <laughs> way? You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's just what felt right, you know? Okay. Like, and really, um, being around Grand Buffet, they were just such a huge influence like like i remember the first big tour we did i always thought this was so cool i remember them being like like we're thinking rap a lot for like the tour and i was like what do you mean they're like we're just gonna like compile every everything from the rap a lot catalog that we all have and just rock that for like the whole tour and like that made the tour so awesome yeah and They really deepened my appreciation of rap in such a gigantic way. How like, specifically? Well, I think I had like the things that me and my friends liked and that really spoke to us and were essentially mostly just new things and like like things of the moment. They kind of like taught me to listen to stuff more objectively and more as an adult, okay, and more open minded and and I think, and that's when, for example, ghetto boys was a thing. I remember being real young and being like, "These guys have chainsaws and they're <laughs> cutting people up, like forget it, you know, like it's not serious or something and like and and i and then like after that tour, I had like such a appreciation for ghetto boys for example and and i think i i saw some of like the humor and irony that was good in rap that i didn't see before and i i I think like subconsciously i think i wanted to like have that in in the songs okay uh you do the big tour with dan um or like the one where we meet for the first time, where your life is changed for the better. Yes. For on every way, when you take a trip to Savannah at three in the morning to be standing around in a television studio. Um, Dan is a very specific energy that he is a master of tapping into and that is impossible to not like get like 
sucked into that whirlwind or like that mm, whirlpool, or like yeah. and not in a in a tremendous way. Yeah. Like he's he he kills that that energy, and especially at that time, um, did that influence your time? And like your performance, I guess is that is that an influence? Was that influence for your performance? And if so, or like what songs would be in were were in those sets? Because me and Dan did like three tours together around that time, okay, like real close together, and it felt like his star was just like rising, mm-hmm. like you're saying, and it. I was kind of like, so, and what's the thing about me that everyone's <laughs> gonna suddenly go crazy for? You, you know, okay, yeah. so, and. And I remember actually talking to him one night and like, he was like, he's like, yeah, one, one at this one show, I just started dancing in this certain way and the crowd connected with it. And then just, I had my set and then, and he's like, I'm sure that'll happen to you. Like in a couple of days, <laughs> like we were talking about it. Like, yeah, that's what happens to everybody. Right. You just become like, like iconic. Or mm-hmm. And and like now in like 2015, it's like, Hmm. But mm. but like, I had like all these really good sets at the time, but there weren't there were no like big songs. Like okay, I felt like it was weird. Like like his shows definitely felt like Madison Square Garden, regardless mm-hmm. of who's there. And it it's so weird to be like the other guy <laughs> in that situation. It'd be like two oddballs roll up, and one you'll never forget. And then there's like another guy. What were songs that people resonated with? Um, the the biggest one was 2003, which is the um, the oh I, I changed the name of that. It's it's called um, a secret thing. Oh okay, the, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. But um, that was like one where I, I felt like people could like catch every little punchline or something. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I I had this thing back then where as soon as people liked something, I hated it, <laughs> it which okay. I think is a horrible way to try to build like an act. But I felt like if I said something funny and people laughed, I felt like they were laughing at me. Oh, you know, like, like I'm saying there's this level of like irony in some of the songs. Uh-huh. And if I said the ironic humor and people laughed at it, I would, think that they were laughing at me and they didn't understand and 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 i've and then went on for years i just feel like and like time to slam that actually that was another one that was like one of the main ones and you know it's just something about being a white rapper like like you want to dispel the the myth that you're like a comedian because you, you know what i mean oh yeah I mean that's definitely how I feel. And my at the my time. flip question to that is, how come so many white rappers feel like they can only rap about like Nintendo and like chocolate and stuff like that? Is yeah. it because they have they just are too self conscious or something like that? I I think so. Yeah, and and you know maybe they don't have a more original thought, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean no. Much love to Nintendo and chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Part two. There is a distinct difference, even just with, like, Mountain Man or Posted Up, to then, like, your style of rapping on Mike Stone, even. Like, there's a there's a hard line. It, it's, yeah. it doesn't register as, like, out of left field, but, like, there's definitely a... What about that time in particular? Was it, like, I want to make this totally like new style choice and then is there a precedent for that in like a greater rap world around that time in my life fell in love with like blues and folk in a way i hadn't really before i think it just came from experimenting with with like oh what if i just took that that structure of the the way the words are and like applied it to what i'm doing you know and and at the same time, I was like looking into a lot of old school stuff. Okay. That was um, 
that did a lot of those things. Like, a big example is Houdini. Mm-hmm. Like, like their songs have, like, hooks and sometimes, like, two hooks and also, like, a bridge, which is kind of, like, the most, like, traditional cool. kind of yeah, song. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, like, you know, the structure is not that different from, like, a, like, Frank Sinatra song or okay. something. And, and, and that really made me realize, like, you know, you don't have to be stuck in, like, 16 bars. Cool. Like, it did help me that there was kind of, like, a precedent for that. Is there something about, like, wanting more control? You know what I mean? Like, is there something about, like, you say, like, no one handed me a beat I used as is. When I came across, uh, we tried a different approach to the production as well. No one handed me a beat as I, that I used as is. When I came across a beat that moved me, I would strip it down to the one loop or drum pattern that is me- meant the most to me. Starting with a skeleton, I would write words to it, then build new beats around the, wor- the words with the help of King Rhythm, Mickey, Free, and Jones. That is you being able to, like, really be in the driver's seat. Yeah. And is that important? Was, was there a time that, that maybe that driver's seat wasn't as important to you and then it became more important? Or was it that you didn't think you could have access to that driver's seat? You, you know what it really came from in a big way was, um, like, tagging along with, like, Grand Buffet um, when, they, when they would do these big tours mm-hmm. with... Um, like of Montreal, there, there was a couple of different bands, but of Montreal was the one that like it inspired me so much. How so? Like, you know, they had all these electronic elements too, and it's you know a, a lot of the things they were doing were very similar to like hip hop kind of production, but it was like absolutely a band for one, and. At the same time, absolutely, like, the one guy. Okay. And, like, like people that were in the band or in the crew, some of them started on the first day I started on the tour, too. Like, <laughs> like, like, I got, I, like, saw how it's like, okay, so this just keeps changing, but as long as this one guy is here, it can still be sure. a thing. Sure. I have this one memory of, like, watching their sound check, and they, they were like working out this cover of um uh the, you know that song Trouble by uh Lindsay Buckingham? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, and just like <laughs> they were like working on this cover and like just trying different ways of doing it. Uh-huh. And and something it like all clicked in my head. I was like, oh okay. So you know, the song trouble is what it is and then and then like they can take it in this direction or that direction and it would be different if there was another set of four guys up there with him but uh-huh. it would also be cool you, you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah and, like, i do and i my like in sort of like these one word like jotting down like quickly going through like what is a thing i i have here a little bit of doom and gloom on some level with this in the words yeah, yeah. just in, in and in the style some of this some of this rent is 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 uh, is is doom and gloom i can I, yeah. I don't re- that doesn't register as like a critique or something like that but just yeah. that's like you know a, an assessment of it um but so there's like a doom and gloom awareness but it doesn't manifest as some sort of external commentary in the way like Everybody ranging from like Grand Buffet to like Public Enemy will address some like their 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 dread or their anger or their frustration will manifest itself with some external threat of like again um, uh, uh, an oppressive government to Walden Books right. as being like you know uh, um, something th- or the rainforest that rainforest cafe. Right. As being something that, like, um, you know, they're seeing problems around them. Yeah. But they're they're not necessarily denying some sort of internal thing. But they're interested. Their their scope is more interested in like seeing these, seeing like this doom and gloom and darkness around them, and like addressing the the external sources of that doom and gloom. Whereas you seem to have gone the other way and sort of addressed like 
like looked inward yeah. or something like that. Like a lot of the album is about like this self-reflection. Again, this sort of internal internal struggle. Yeah. Was there ever a time where you like you feel like so I feel tired, I feel frustrated, I feel exhausted. Was there ever any thought of like what external forces are contributing to this feeling tired, exhausted, or was it always you were just like what inside of me is making me feel f- tired and exhausted? You know, like in like a movie where they have like the the training montage. Sure. Yeah. It's like, yeah. All right. <laughs> you tried. You fucked up. You got one more chance, and then yeah. it's like the training montage. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I feel like the music game is just like the training montage just goes on <laughs> instead of like two minutes. It goes on for like your entire life yeah. every day. Like yeah. it's like all right, gotta I gotta like put more into this and keep going more and more and more and. Um, I, it makes you feel crazy when it's like there's no like ending <laughs> to right. it, you know. And, and and I think if there was anything external, it would just be like the music game. Okay, you know, it's definitely frowned upon to some degree to make music about the music business or like or or just music about music. Sure. Like, but I don't know. I think that. The struggles that we go through in it definitely relate to everything else in the world. Yeah. So, the cabin. Yeah. What's the experience like for working this way? For creating something? For creating better seeds that way? What was that experience like? I started the songs just on my own. Like, down here in the basement. And then... Doing what specifically? Like, was it like with a guitar and a notebook? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And for the first time, mm-hmm. um, doing these guitar-based songs with no idea what I was doing or where it was going to end up, and and I I remember like going on tour. It was like the two thousand eight, I think. Two, yeah, two thousand eight. Baltimore round robin tour and like that was a tour where there was like 64 people mm-hmm. on the tour and oh yeah you, you were at yeah. the Chicago show and yeah. everything but um I had all these songs I, I just felt like so like passionate about these ideas mm-hmm. you know and, and like so excited and like Every moment that was like fucked up about like being like broke on this tour with sixty four people, yeah, <laughs> and like never being comfortable for like one second, and you know, despite how fun it was, yeah. there was like moments where it's like Jesus Christ, but like I just felt like I had all these songs in my head, and they were like keeping me sane, or, or and just I felt really like I could go to this inner place in my mind and cool. just go into those songs yeah. and, and work on them and write write stuff down in my notebook and was there uh, so so were they were things just existing in your brain or were they coming out on paper and how were they coming out on paper if they were um well i already had like all these riffs that i was working on okay and they you know nothing like earth-shatteringly like different or anything so like kind of basic things like like definitely some songs where i just like took the chord structure from other songs you know and and so i kind of just had it all in my head you know Mm -hmm. as i was traveling around and i'm just like writing down the words and things like that. okay and, um, the narrative is for this is like you're you're in your basement working on these songs, yeah. getting maybe skeletal kind of concepts for these songs going. You're going on this big tour surrounded by all these people. Now it's time to head to the woods. How yeah. does that, what was that specific process like? Well, I should say part of it is that um, it was funded by... Uh, a now defunct label called Normative Records. That um that was like did you did you ever know Jake Clodwick? Or um 
he kind of was like this like super business and probably still is this super business genius guy. Uh-huh. He like he basically started he started Vimeo. Oh and, wow. And Tumblr and was part of starting like collegehumor.com oh, and all this stuff. So like and he had this label and I think like from the time he was like you should put out a record to the time Bed of Seeds was finished like the label had like destroyed itself. Uh-huh. I think it was like he had all this money and he had a lot of ideas but I think like like it became something really bad for him this oh. label like like the music business can be such a like money pit you know cool and, yeah and yeah like, and like i think it's like not like any other kind of like internet startup thing right like like i think he saw like radiohead how they like changed the game with the free thing and he's right. like and he's like the possibilities <laughs> are endless and it's like kind of no like but yeah that's also funny is like to go to be a dude that like goes from this world where like there are i mean all of those ventures that he undertook were yeah. like definitely designed to work but i feel like every record label is from the get-go like designed to fail yeah and you have to like make it work yeah and it almost seems like those it things are designed to work and you have to like really be a level 10 bozo and make them <laughs> fail or right, something. right yeah like so it's crazy so he funded that album and um he and, and like it was wild because it it was like we basically kind of could have whatever we wanted it's cool. like like it was it and nothing i might delete this out of the podcast but like one he was just like what do you need to make your project is what people would say and Another band convinced him that what they needed was one hundred thousand dollars, and he was like, "You got it." <laughs> so I feel like I, I, my thing was like very modest in terms of like we're gonna go to a cabin yeah. for a week. Or so. But so yeah, this dude's like generous, like backing. Yeah, puts it in a situation. So what did what was at this cabin? Um, it was just a cabin where we we brought everything. It was like not. It was like there's no like gear or anything. Okay. Like he just uh, what he did was just hook us up for ten days in this cabin, hook every and hook everyone, except me with enough money that it's like it's not that like what they would get at work. So okay. it's not like they're taking this time off. Work. Right. And like, which is just like, I don't know. It, it's amazing. Yeah, it felt like I'd been waiting for that my entire life mm-hmm. to just just like. And then, oh, it was so cool, also, because there was no, no, like, no one had internet access. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for the bulk of the time, it was me, Mickey, Travis, and Emily. Okay. Travis on guitar, um, like, just like such a solid dude, and like such a skilled guitar player, and like. It was almost like having like, like a L.A. like session player. Yeah, or anything. yeah. Like, like he's like, kind of like a prog and like metal. Oh, head. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. like, he's always had this role of like, with me and Colin of like I'm I'm there if you need me. <laughs> and like, the aesthetics like kind of. Like if he was in control, it would be so different that it's it almost doesn't matter. Yeah, you know. So it's like, like I could just play some like like we were talking about earlier. I was on a big like cramps kick at mm-hmm. the time. So then and like all the stuff they were influenced by. So I could yeah. play like like this the track like psychotic reaction or something. It'd be like okay, what is that little change right there? Like oh, like cool. he, he oh was, awesome yeah he was great like that. And also just had like no ego. Mm-hmm. So like like I remember this one day where it was like the song that's called Link Ray. We're like, we want you to play this Link Ray riff and we like tweak <laughs> tweak these settings. Yeah. And like and like he he like was 
playing it for like four hours. Yeah. <laughs> and, and with no like, all right, it's time for me to embellish. Or like, I don't know. He was just like the ultimate. Like, You're getting this like angel funding for this album. It's 10 days with like your closest friends yeah. in this like rap creating paradise. No way to win. Dreams don't always come true. Deep in the dark, I'm shook where no one can see. This is this is a sad album, you know, in a lot mm. of ways. There's there's sadness here. Was yeah. that how was it do you feel like you were comfortable enough to like kind of talk about these sadder subjects because you were surrounded by like such good friends and stuff like that or and also this doesn't this doesn't it doesn't register as a bummer yeah it registers as a sad album it registers as someone musing on sadness yeah and I, and it also doesn't register i think that it's an important thing to note it doesn't register as like pitiful right or something right. like that it's just in it's just you talking about these sad things yeah it was it was I understand that you had like these kind of these ideas for these songs before this this official like writing of the album experience. But how were were some of were you like reinforced in 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 confidence to write these songs when you're when you're amongst this 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 group of friends or something like that? Yeah, because I. I had all the all the songs that ended up on the album, and then also other songs and other ideas, and like yeah, you know, a lot of things that that we tried would just seem like, and, and some that ended up on Utility Fallout Four, like things we tried that it would just, it would just once once I was there, it was obvious like okay, this is not a part of it mm-hmm. at all. Like, okay. like, can you think of a song on Utility Fog for called 2009 Premix? How? It's like 2009, no way. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, that was like, like, I feel like one of the first things we worked on on one of the first oh. days. And it was like clear, like, yeah, that's cool, but that's, that's not the album, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and these these melodic and kind of sad songs felt felt like the core of it. And that it's okay that I feel like a song like that, a lot of times you want one on an album. Like, sure. Like the conventional thing is like, like one where you're like, I don't know what's the point anymore. Yeah. Or and like, but, but, but it felt like, okay, this is what the album is. Is basically. it? I mean, I really think the album could have been like forty-five minutes of just like a person crying, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like you know, like just get like an old, like, like Eastern European woman to be in the street going like, "Oh, I know." <laughs> but then if you had ended it still with Druid Hill Lake, it'd have been like, "Man, that's like a really like, I just feel good. Like my heart feels yeah. good right now." So like, was was Druid Hill Lake designed from the get-go to be your closer? So that that one actually came after the cabin session. That that song I actually wrote for Travis specifically. He was having like a really hard time at that time in his life. Okay. And seeing him kind of like escape everything and do this cabin thing with us was like so awesome. Like it mm-hmm. felt like Something that was like ten years in the making, cool. like like so, like since we'd known each other, it yeah, been kind of like leading up to like someday there'll be something like this, at, at least in my head, mm-hmm. and then have and then seeing it and then seeing him kind of like go back to what was going on before, it was kind of like for him to be like this, you know, like like this world is going to keep going if you want to be part of it yeah you know what i mean cool part Part three three. there's like this round two of shark tank yeah um if like this massive fame was in the cards would you prefer would you prefer it to be height or shark tank well there was a moment with this this novelty track yeah where 10 good things happened for 
Shark Tank at one time, mm-hmm. and it was like I was one hundred percent ready to go with like let's just do this Shark Tank shit forever. Yeah, and like like um you know just just because I I love that group too. Yeah, and and you know if that could be something and height could be more this vanity project, that would be okay. Okay. <laughs> Cause it feels kind of like it is now anyway. So, so it's like, like there was kind of this moment and it was actually sort of like heartbreaking to be honest, like where it was like, Oh, we could have a booking agent. We could have this, this, like we could tour, we could, you know, and have a chance to put out more songs and have them have a wider audience. And, like, it kind of just... Um, I, I don't think Brenda would mind me saying. It was kind of... It, it kind of came down to him just being like, can't see it. You, okay. You know? And, and and I've totally accepted that now. So, But I realize it has to only be hype because <laughs> the Shark Tank option is not on the table. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. In these, like, keywords... I mean, uh, rock and roll again. This raucous, super fun, super, uh, just super engaging and enjoyable album is all about this horrible struggle. <laughs> Which this this album does have a very like kind of a singular maybe yeah. the, the, towards the end. Like, I, it could almost be like I can't stand to be refused. And then try to to triumph or sadness like ends it, and then like Oswego Speedway and Moscow are like two tracks that come sort of like a- after the credits yeah, or something totally like right. that. Yeah. Um, uh, was it was rock and roll designed to be a, like a a not necessarily like a a story rap album, but like something where you do sort of like it does kind of have like a a clear like dramatic arc or something like that. It's crazy because I spent two years working on that album <laughs> and that's definitely i've decided will never happen again how come if you work on an album it will get better for one year and after 365 days it will it will keep getting better but it'll be to the most like diminished degree cool and you're just moving sideways instead of sure. moving forward yeah I, I spent too long working on it and I kept waiting for it to turn into something other than it was. I don't know why. Okay. But, but what so what were you trying to do with rock and roll that you didn't do? Like you're saying, I guess I wanted it to feel like more like one complete piece. Okay. Like, let, let's get into some maybe um murky territory and if you if you say we shouldn't put this in, we can cut it out. Part of my way of reflecting on it is colored by, um, you know, you help you helped fund this this PR. Mm. Part of my thinking on it and the way I look at it is sort of colored by that experience, in a way that it's sort of even hard to tell. I spent so long working on it, and then it was like such a crazy, intense process, like process after the fact of having it be magnified by by like this press okay thing. yeah yeah yeah. And, and then and then by getting to go on this like bigger tour with with dan that year and everything mm-hmm. that i almost feel like the record is like nonsense <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think it is but 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 that's how it feels sometimes okay you know and, and like, it, define that better because I, I guess i kind of i understand what you mean but what do you mean why nonsense just because like you feel like you put you put too much work into it or not enough work into it or it didn't it didn't hit the way you wanted it to so it didn't work or like what do you mean it sort of was like a, a tiny little clue into like why people that are famous go crazy sure to see something to see something, you know, again and again and again, to put things out and be like, no one cares, and, <laughs> you know, and like, and then put something out, and then it's like, so what are we thinking? Rollingstone.com? Sure. Email? Like, it was very obvious to me that the guys in charge at. Maybe I should edit that out. Is that... But, but 
it was very obvious to me that they were not clear on what height is. Okay. And and like 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 a good example is is just like they're like we got to push this. I can't stop eating sugar. It's the single. And, and I was just like to cover of another <laughs> <laughs> like up up and coming band. And yeah. It's just like we got to. <laughs> and then it was just like like to me that was almost like a dead giveaway of I I don't know I guess I just I think that's a cool cover but it is a cover and yeah. it is kind of just a neat little don't want to say throwaway thing but like it it it's it's very like not to the core of what's going on and with me mm-hmm. and you know it kind of made me be like I was like, no, this, this song is is what I'm about. But there's only like nine songs on the, yeah. on the record, and it's like, you know, and and like they were all about like this pop, like like the, and then it was like the track hard work. They were like, it's got to be that. And okay. Like, and like I just feel like it made no sense to me. It kind of felt like they were like, well, okay, so that's this is my follow up question. Um. With the success that Future Islands has achieved, mm-hmm. isn't it kind of what's the opposite of disheartening? Heartening, encouraging, encouraging. Yeah, isn't it kind of encouraging? In that, like, the the day after the the day before David Letterman, Future Islands was awesome. The day after David Letterman, Future Islands were still awesome. Yeah. It's just that, like, ten assholes decided that they were more important. So, like, in my mind, isn't it really encouraging that, like, it doesn't it doesn't really matter, so therefore it, it doesn't really matter? It, it, is, I, is, I have to... I, to be honest, I feel the opposite. Really? Because I feel like... You know, when we were talking the other day about Dan, mm-hmm. like, touring with him. Yeah. And seeing, seeing him become famous sure seeing him figure out what his act is and his identity and going up and being like how about pizza horse and people are like i'll take all of that okay yeah Yeah. but like yeah people like looked at both of us like we were stupid sometimes but like ultimately he found a way to connect and with people before before there was like fame and, and I feel the same way with Future Islands. Like, when there was no press or anything like that about them, they always could move the crowd. And I see. And I'm, like, honestly really struggling with that right now. And and for the past, for a long time, it's just like, yeah, it would be cool if a flip, uh, if, like, the switch could flip and it would be, like, height is the shit somehow. But, like... It's it's starting to make me be like, is there something like, is there something I'm like fundamentally doing wrong as a performer that makes it like only for like the deepest of deep heads? You, yeah. you know what I mean? I do. I don't know. I don't know. I just sort of feel that like, if it was super bad, if this really did suck, you could just stop doing it. But I don't think that. I don't think it's super bad. I know it's hard to right. see this from a, like an outsider's perspective or something like that. Or it's hard to it's hard to know what you're feeling internally, but like, I don't know. I think someone that's not serious doesn't have six and a half hours worth of like release music. Oh, yeah. And I'm not trying to like, no, hey, don't yeah. go. I'm not <laughs> trying to do that here. But like, to the same extent, why this matters, or why this is a, a why this is like an eternal tip figuring out or like like restaurant bill figuring out level conundrum yeah. uh, like is that like if this was bullshit you wouldn't have been doing this for this long I to- yeah I totally agree I don't want to keep talking about it but like also if this was bullshit like you wouldn't I wouldn't be able to draw a single narrative this is a body of right. work, you know, that exists yeah. in in a real in a real way. This is a body of work that exists, and and that's something that, you know, Gavin actually pointed out to me, like, and, and I've I've thought this before myself, like, 
it's rare to be obscure and have a a, a narrative, you know? Yeah. Like, 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 I don't know, say a lot of my experience, early experience with, like, record digging and stuff like that was, was like, through Shields, okay. you know? And so I'd see all these old bands, and it's like, like, one of the things he was always into was, like, the Nuggets kind of psychedelic bands. Okay. You know? And, and like, it would be like, yeah, okay, here's this one band. At first they sounded like uh, Bo Diddley, and then they got, like, turned on, and then they sounded like psychedelic rock. Yeah. And then they stopped <laughs> and then you know and then maybe they went on to be like prog rock later cool on, like yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. members or something yeah but it's it's and i think it's like specific to our time now like you can have like a catalog like as deep as like and varied as like david bowie yeah. but be like completely obscure which, sure which is cool and, you know? and, and also, i'm proud to do that there's know? a thing of where um uh uh conan o'brien talked about uh this recently on uh a popular radio host's radio show who I, for the sake of my own self-image, don't want to announce that I'm a super huge fan of. Um, but uh, oh. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, but he was interviewed where um, he said that, like, him getting on the late show um, today would be virtually impossible simply because, like, if you're... If you're if you're a dude that has a computer, you could have six hundred hours of your material on YouTube. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if you're so so to like be this unknown is an insane thing because anybody can do it. But also everybody's bozos. Anybody it, today could have a narrative, but there's authentic narrative. Ah, and I don't want, I don't. It's a hard thing to say, but like yeah. this is not. This doesn't. This isn't bullshit, or else yeah. we wouldn't be caring about it. Yeah, I, I guess you know what. It's not that it's bullshit. It's that, like, like have you ever seen something? And have you ever seen like have you ever seen like SCTV? Yeah, you know, like when Larry David would get on that, or oh no no no, I'm thinking early SNL. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, like, have you ever seen, like, when he would be on, like, Weekend Update? No, but I know that he was on the show for a little while. Yeah. It's like, it's like he comes on and he just looks like, like, a maniac. (laughs) He just looks like the craziest person you've ever seen. And, like, it just looks like this is a mistake. Right. And it's like, it doesn't mean that he's not good at all. But it's just like, it's like something about, something about it is not, like, fit for... Yet fit for popular consumption. Sure, and, and, and you you know what I mean. Sometimes I, I feel like that's what's up with me. It's almost like a, like um, uh, uh, like that concept of like the comedian's comedian. Yeah, like the guy who's never gonna who's never gonna like be on the Tonight Show or something like that. But he's also not like a schlocky like right. Las Vegas club like. Hey, I just flew in from here. And, oh, right. that's your wife. Nice tits, like that sort of thing. Like that, there are dudes that there's. We're almost at a point, or I guess maybe we even are and, and have been forever. I don't know. Why I have to say almost, but like there is a point where there is like um, there is your experience is authentic and valuable and valid if you're if you have integrity. And my question is, is that on your deathbed, fifty years from now, seventy years from now, two hundred fifty years from now, is that going to be enough? <laughs> um, I would say no. Okay. Just, just because, like, I I think your soul like hungers for new experiences, and and you know the the. There is like an element of just like trying and trying and trying and not and not seeing any kind of results that you want to get that is kind yeah. of like torture and and like as much as I I torture motherfucker <laughs> as much as I feel like exactly 
Sorry. As much as I feel like like joyous that I get to write music at all, that there's, you know, a day in my life that I get to like sit every time I can have some time to do music. It's, yeah. It's incredible. But there is something about just so much effort being put in and feeling like it's, you know, in vain in some ways. Mm. And, it, and, you know, I've had a good, like, 15 years or something of sort of that <laughs> being what it feels like. And it's like, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to do like another 15. I, okay. I might, I might have to, but it's like, it's like, say, say for example, some of the stuff with like Shark Tank, even with this like novelty track or whatever, mm-hmm. it's just like some of the experiences from the last year of just like driving around and like, having enough money that it doesn't matter like what restaurant we go to sure. or like and feeling like we know where we're going to sleep and stuff like that it, it seems like nothing it seems like no i or, I, I it seems yeah. like everything that's everything yeah yeah it, it's like but it i guess it seems like a luxury and it is but it's like when i think back to it it's not just, it just doesn't seem like, oh, that was a funny memory or like a cool yeah. thing. It seems like I want more of that in my life. Yeah. I want, like, like, I want to feel like things are moving forward and, okay. things, and you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to like force a narrative out of like this new thing if it's yeah. just this new thing. But, but did, I don't think it is. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because, like, you know, again, and I don't want to just hark back to this this concept of don't die, but, like, you are you are at the point where at the beginning of the album, that beat, the kinetic energy of that, like, you are in, in the mind's eye, you are running away from this death, you know? I mean, yeah. like, it's it just, it, there's a level of urgency yeah. that I think is there that um, I guess is a thing where, it doesn't rock and roll and bed of seeds aren't urgent, but they're not supposed to be urgent. They, it doesn't feel like it's a miss because they don't, but there's, there's urgency throughout a lot of this. And even in the slow songs, um, uh, 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 bring your soul. I mean, is like, what's the BPM of that? Like that is a slow song, yeah. but it's still urgent. Right. It's still about like a me, the immediacy of like, I'm done looking at the window, yeah. uh, looking at the window. Like, you know, there's, do you feel, I don't know if it's like necessarily energized, but do you feel like that there's some urgent need to, to do something? Do you feel like there's some urgency to your this phase of your career? Yeah, totally. What's the urgency? Why is it, why is it urgent all of a sudden? And not all of a sudden, like out of the blue, but like this whole album is urgent. What's, what's urgent now? I want to see things like go right. You know, cool. like, like, and I, I mean, even like, say, say like these, these videos we're doing, mm-hmm. like, it's like, there would be no videos if, if like, there was no album, you, uh-huh. you, you know what I mean? They're yeah. Like, n- like nothing cool will happen if, if I don't just like keep going and going and going, you, you know but what so I mean? But so isn't that enough? Um, or why is it not enough? I think I'd love making music and touring more than anyone, <laughs> like, which is a crazy statement because everybody loves it. Sure. But I think my drive to find a way to, like, continue to do it without, like, destroying what I have now uh-huh. is, is huge. And that that's what the urgency is. Okay. You know what I mean? Because, like, I'm going at a pace that I cannot maintain. I don't know. I'm just at a constant loss of money due to touring. Yeah. And, like, and, and to recording and to pressing up my own albums and all this stuff. And, and it's not to complain about that, but it's, like, it can't just be this like massive vanity project. I want to keep traveling. I want to keep 
I want to keep touring. I want to keep making music. But like, and, and as cool as I feel not being in the spotlight, I feel like it's very, very hard to do that when you have like no eyes on you or no one thinking about you or yeah which is not to say no one because the people the people that are it means so much yeah but it's like we're not business guys but we are in the music business sure and you know if if you play in a club you're in the music business if you sell a cd you're in the music business and it's like when your worth is like point zero one cents or something it's like it's like really hard to be in the business you know what i mean yeah does that make sense it does i think we live in a world where like because we are exposed to so much everything has huge connotations but then also sometimes the most important stuff are the fact that you like totally changed 10 dudes lives or something like that that's more lives than anybody else has changed and so there is i don't know again you can't pay your mortgage with that so that's right. a conundrum to face and i appreciate i appreciate that and i appreciate from what i hear is the urgency is trying to resolve the the dispute the, the 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 cognitive dissonance between this thing that i love and how can i survive with it yeah um but I just don't want you to ever be like, this was a this was a waste of time. Or right. something like that. Like, if you ever do I that, never will. good. I will no. throw you off a fucking yeah. building. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never will. And I, 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 To be honest, I feel like I'm, like, light years past that. Like, cool. Like, I feel like the, the zen side of me is strong cool. enough that it's, like, if I just the rest of my life is just more insane, like house party tours and shit. Like, like it's okay. <laughs> Enjoy editing the last 20 minutes of this, uh, this <laughs> podcast. All right. Thanks again to Justin. See you next week.